0: So it's great to be here, though, at New Beginnings Church. Uh, it's been my home church since 2010 uh, when we were just one campus. Now, of course, we're three campuses uh, Brick and Bayville and Wall Township and being multi site. And Pastor Joe and Barbara just phenomenal, phenomenal pastors and leaders here, not only among this church, but even in this area and this region. So you are blessed to be part of a wonderful, healthy, vibrant local body of Christ. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Of course, my wife, I can see, he just introduced her, Brian, and wife, Glenys, for 22 years. We have two of our children here, Daniela and David, and two others. Are, uh, well, they live outside the home. They're successful 20-year-olds. They've made it. And so one is actually in Arizona at Hillsong Bible College. He, you would know him. His name was Dion. He's singing been worship here for many years. He's our son. And then our daughter is, uh, uh, has her own job and lives separately from us. So we have four children total. This is our home church, and it's a blessed place to really be speaking this weekend, and I want to encourage you guys to, um, to not take for granted the privilege you have for being part of this great local church. So uh, this, 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 um, I want to pray and get into the Word of God. I, I do believe He wants to speak to all of us this evening. I know you'll leave here today, and you're going to be encouraged in His Word that no matter what you've been through or who you are or who you think you are, God is able to use you to do the impossible. God is able to use you, yes, I mean you, to do the impossible. Let's pray. let's pray and open up the Word of God here. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray this evening. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us to this place and given us ears to hear your Word. So help us, Father God, to leave here today with a greater and greater sense of, of obedience and, and, a, and a great commitment to the faith and to the call of God upon our life. And Lord, we pray this now, and we ask you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've noticed recently, but you drive around the area or look online, there's a lot of jobs that are available right now in America. There's actually more job openings today in America than ever in history in our country, and there's not enough workers to fill them. So small businesses are having a very difficult time finding uh, people to hire. So restaurants are cutting their hours, or going doing takeout only, or you're waiting longer in line to get your food. Places are closing earlier. I even heard recently that they were thinking about bringing in the National Guard to drive school buses in New Jersey, because there weren't enough school bus drivers. And that's, that's troubling when we got to that point. But when I look around America and I see so many job openings and so hard to to hire people, I also begin to realize, you know what? Even Jesus said in his kingdom, he's going to have sometimes a hard time because trying to get people to go out into the fields because the harvest is plentiful and the fields are ripe and ready. But he said to pray that people would respond to my voice, my command, my teaching and go out into the harvest fields. Look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 38. This is Jesus speaking here to his disciples. He says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. That's the New Living Translation. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Even Jesus taught us that if he was going to change this world, if he was going to transform this world, if he was going to heal and save and deliver this world, he was going to do it through people, through people. Now, sometimes we pray, oh, God, intervene in this world or save this world or save this nation. And we want him to somehow just wave a supernatural magic wand and make it all get right in the world. And he has the sovereignty and the power to do that, no question at all. But that's not how the God of the Bible operates. He has decided in His Word if He's going to change and transform this world, He's going to use people. People. People like you and I. Everyday, ordinary people who know their God and would do great and mighty works in His name. You know, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says this. For I am the Lord, I do not change. For I am the Lord, I do not change. So our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. So however he used people in the scriptures, whether in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, is the same way he uses people today. He is the Lord and he never changes. And that should give us confidence to know that, a sense of safety and security that no matter what happens in this world, my friend, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob never changes. He's the God of Genesis and the God of Revelation, and he never changes. Though Though the mountains might crumble and the earth might open up and the the seas might rise and everything become uncertain and unstable in our world, our God never changes. Though presidents and prime ministers come and go, though nations rise and fall, though empires conquer and then collapse, our God never changes. His word never changes. And the way he has decided to operate in the earth Never changes. He uses people. And today in 2021, He wants to use His people. And you may not realize it, but you are His people. So when you hear God wants to use His people, we think in grand collective terms as His people. Yes, Lord, use your people. You are His people. So what you're really saying is, Lord, use me. Lord, here I am, send me. So you say, God, save this nation or save Bricktown or save Ocean County or do something, intervene in the affairs of men. And God operates by using men to intervene in the affairs of men. You're really saying, God, use me. And if he can't use you or I or those in this room, he will not be able to accomplish his will. He will not do without his people. God, use us. And if God never changes, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Lord God that changes not, then who he used in the Bible, in the scriptures, are the same types of people he uses today. And who are those types of people How are they described in the scriptures? Well, he uses the weak to shame the strong. He uses the foolish to shame the wise. And so you may not realize that if God's going to do something miraculous and mighty in the earth today, he just might use the very people that in the world system might seem weak and foolish. But in God's kingdom, they are the strong ones they are the wise ones because they obey his word. They hear and recognize his voice. And they are doers of that word, not hearers only. When they hear that voice and they know that word, they do that word. And those are the types of people our God uses. First Corinthians chapter one. Let's turn there, verse 26 through 31. First Corinthians chapter one And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. Amen. He doesn't call many wise, many mighty, and many noble. Look to your left. Look to your right. I got news for you. There's not many noble. There's not many mighty. There's not many wise. Now, there may be some. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's, there's not many. He said, what do you mean by that, Brother Sean? How can you say that about me, that I'm not mighty and noble and, and wise? Because in the world system, that's what they use to determine who they think are the ones to best serve and lead their people. But in God's eyes, he's looking for the weak, for the foolish, for the base. Because those are the ones that are humble enough to do it his way. His way. See, those words, the word wise, in the Greek, it means special and enlightenment. The word mighty means high and mighty positions. The word noble, high class, and a wealthy family. See, God's standards and values are very different than the world system. They're looking for the wealthy families, the high-class families, those with big titles and mighty positions, those who are super educated and have great intelligence and Ivy League educations, because they're the ones, my friend, that's gonna make it all right. And then not to get political for a moment, because I would never do that. (laughs) It's unlike me. According to recent Gallup poll, Only 28% of people approve the work of Congress. 28% of our nation approves the work of Congress. And yet, there you will find the wealthy, the high class, the mighty positions, and the very well educated. The very ones that the world system thinks they're going to make it all right. And yet, God says, I choose the foolish. What does that word mean? I hate to break it to you. It's a Greek word, moreno. God uses the morons. Now, you just got done five minutes ago saying, God, use me. And then I serve you on a platter what that means. God uses the morons, the idiots, the weak. The weak means those who are feeble or have no strength. And the base, those of no reputation, no importance, are born to the least of all families. And the despised, the least esteemed, the nothing, and the nobodies. So however you consider yourself today, you're sitting there thinking, listen, I'm a a nothing, I'm a nobody, I've got no money, I'm from the least of all families in this entire area, no one knows my name nor my family's name. You're the very type of person that can change the world, that God wants to use. If you say, yes, Lord, here am I. James 4, 6 says this, James 4, 6, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God actively works against the proud, but he gives special grace to those who are humble. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he'll give you that grace. He'll give you that ability. He'll promote you in that job. He'll give you a favor in that position. He'll open up doors that you've been trying for years to open and they weren't opening. He'll give you that grace if you simply humble yourself before the Lord. Let's turn today to three people in Scripture to encourage us that if he can use them, he can use us as well. First, let's go to Gideon. Gideon. Now, Gideon's one of the judges in the Old Testament. In the time of the judges, before the kings, God would raise up judges to deliver his people. And Gideon was probably the most famous judge in Scripture because the longest narrative, the historical narrative in Scripture in the book of Judges is about Gideon. And many of you may have heard about Gideon's 300 men, how they defeated the Midianites. And he had so many, like tens of thousands, and God said, no, get it lower. And then he had to get it lower again, down to 300 not going to go into that part of Gideon's story. I'm going to stay at the very beginning today, but we're going to look at Gideon, the great judge in the history of of Israel. Let's go to uh, Judges chapter 6, verse 12 to 16. Judges 6, verse 12 to 16. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and that's like a theophany where God is in the flesh. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, which is Gideon, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, "Oh my Lord, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, Oh, my Lord, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. I will be with you. So the angel of the Lord shows up and disrupts and interrupts the life of Gideon. And he goes to who he already knows to be one of the weakest men in Israel, from one of the least respected families and tribes of all of Israel. And he goes to Gideon and says, You mighty man of valor. And then Gideon naturally saw. So, said, oh, God, oh, my Lord, (laughs) if the Lord is with us, if the Lord is with us, well, first of all, Gideon, the angel of the Lord said, I am with you. I am with you. I'm talking to you, Gideon. I'm with you. Second of all, the Lord never, never forsook Israel at that time. If he did, then why is the angel of the Lord even talking to Gideon? like, I'm here, Gideon. If I forsaken Israel, I wouldn't be here right now. I'm here. I'm not forsaken you. So it's like, stop with the excuses, okay? Stop rationalizing and explaining away what this conversation. Gideon, I am with you. And Gideon says, but God, you don't really understand who you're talking to. I am the least of all men, there were men more qualified than me, more respected than me, more powerful than me, more well-educated than me. I cannot save Israel. And then God went back to Gideon, meaning the angel of the Lord, a theophany, God in the flesh, went back to Gideon and said, Gideon, I'm not disagreeing with your self-assessment, that you may be the poorest and the weakest, and the most least respected of all the tribes of Israel. But you got one thing wrong, Gideon. This is not about you. This is about me, the Lord. I, the Lord, will save Israel. I'm just going to do it through you. But you're not the one that's going to save them. I, the Lord, am the one that will save them. So you may see yourself tonight that God... How can you ever use me to do the impossible or to do great and mighty things in your name? My friend, I hate to burst your bubble. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about him. So when he uses you to do it, you can't take glory that it's done because you didn't do it. It was the Lord that has done it. He just used you to do it. But he's the one. So then God said, the reason I I want you, Gideon, because you are a mighty man of valor. There's something in you, Gideon, that on the natural, on the outside, in the physical, no one can identify it, but I, the Lord, recognize it. You're not afraid of Baal. You're not afraid to to do what I've called you to do. You're not afraid to contend with Baal. Baal was this, this idol in the Old Testament that Israel would worship and therefore lose God's covenant blessings upon their nation. And every knee was bowing down to Baal in the days of Gideon. But Gideon wasn't taking that bow. Uh, so in Judges chapter 6, verse 32, he says this, Therefore on that day he, which is actually uh, Gideon's father, called Gideon Jerubal, saying, let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar. In the middle of the night, Gideon did what nobody else was willing to do. He went in when nobody else was looking and he knocked over the idol of Baal. He said, enough of this mess. This has to go. I'm knocking it over. Nobody else was willing to do that besides the mighty man of valor himself, the very one who says... I cannot save Israel. He knocked over Baal. And all of a sudden his name was changed in Scripture for Jerubal, the one who will contend with Baal. Now, how often have you heard Gideon called Jerubal? Very little. We never really discuss it. But it's mentioned twice in Scripture, Judges 6:32 and Judges 7:1. They called him Jerubal. There was a man in Israel willing to contend with Baal. He wasn't the mightiest or the wealthiest or the richest or the most powerful in the natural. But in God's eyes, he recognized he was a mighty man, of valor. So we used him. Look at Moses. We all know the story of Moses, right? How he went to Pharaoh. Well, it says in the book of Exodus chapter 3, verse 9 to 14, this is now Moses at the burning bush speaking to God. He says, Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said these very securing, encouraging words, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus shall you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. There was Moses, a very similar experience, like the one Gideon had. Moses came many, many years before Gideon. There at the burning bush, God calls Moses and says, I am calling you to go and to deliver my people from the oppression of the Egyptians. And the first thing Moses says is, who am I to do this? But now Moses was very highly educated in the world system. He was raised in Pharaoh's house. He had political connections. He could maybe leverage some relationships, but he knew one thing, that if I'm going to do what God's calling me to do, I can't do it leaning on those types of benefits. I've been in the wilderness so long, I've been separated from the world system from so long, and I know how the world system works, Moses says. And that's not going to get Pharaoh to let your people go. I'm going to need something much more than my money, my relationships, my influence, or my wisdom or education in the world system. I'm going to need the Lord to be with me. And so God told Moses, I am with you. That's what Moses needed to hear. You would think Moses needed something more from God. He knew how difficult this task was going to be. He knew the man who he was dealing with, Pharaoh. He knew the stubborn, hard-hearted, proudful leader of the Egyptian empire would never, never, never let the, uh, let the Israelites go from captivity. He had them as his slaves, and there was no way he would let them go without without a fight. And God told Moses, you go with no army to the man who won't let your people go without a fight. But Moses realized something. The Lord is with me. And the Lord is with me, Moses says. I'm not sure what this journey will entail. He, wasn't, he didn't know about the 10 plagues that were yet to come. He didn't know how God was going to deliver his people. All God said was, I will be with you. And the sign that I was with you is one day you'll be back on this mountain worshiping me with these people. And Moses began to walk by faith and to do the impossible. He didn't know the end of the story the way we know the end of Moses' story. All he knew, he was going back into a world system that he was running from because he killed one of the Egyptians many years ago. And they could have easily taken his life or demanded justice or put him in change or knowing he was Hebrew, put him into slavery. There was a great risk for Moses to do what God has called him to do. But yet he knew this thing, that the Lord was with him. My friend, the Lord is with us tonight. In 2021, even here in America, the Lord is with his people. And if he's calling you, challenging you to step up and to go forth into the harvest fields because they are ripe, ready to harvest. The church has been praying and praying for God to save this nation. And Jesus says, your prayers need to be for the people, my people, to step up, to step up. Because without them, the harvest will not be taken in and received. It's only done through his people. And finally, let's look at David, David, the last story in scripture how God uses the weak and the feeble to shame the, the strong and the wise. 1 Samuel chapter 17, we all know this story, David and Goliath, but let's just rehearse it one more time for the sake of encouragement. And Saul said to David, this is not David went to obviously feed his brothers and he realized there was this Goliath, giant Goliath in the battlefield. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Go, and the Lord be with you. Saul was risking a lot. He was risking a lot. The entire future of Israel was riding upon this decision because the deal was Goliath against one man. Whoever wins, that nation oppresses and enslaves the other nation. And everyone in Israel was afraid to face Goliath. And there came little David coming to feed his brothers some cheese on the battlefield because they're hungry. He had no idea, like Moses to Pharaoh, he had no idea what was awaiting him that day. All he knew that he showed up and he said, what's what's going on? But who's this big guy out there? He's Goliath. He's, look at the size of that guy. He can kill all of us. And what's, what are we going to do, David said. They're like, we're going to do nothing. We're, we're going to stay here. Maybe, maybe the problem will just go away. Maybe time will take care of itself. Maybe the Goliath will get frustrated and, and tired and got to take a break and he'll just, he'll just give up and walk away and we'll just change the battlefield plans. We're, we're, not, we're not going out there. And David's like, Are you kidding me? Are are you kidding me? You're not going to go out there and face this uncircumcised Philistine after what he said about our God? I'll go out there and face him. You know what his brother said? Who do you think you are? If we can't do it, you can't do it. If we're not able to do it, you're not able to do it. And David knew something. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That man is mocking and insulting the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And our God, the God of our forefathers, he promised us this land. And he's not going to let that Goliath break that covenant promise. I'll go out and I'll fight him. So then he went to Saul and said, Saul... If nobody else wants to do this, then count me in. I'll go out there. And so I was like, young man, you can't win. David's like, what do you mean I can't win? I beat a bear and a lion. I could, take all, I could take that Goliath. Now, honestly, if you beat a bear and a lion, that doesn't mean you're qualified to take on a giant. Okay, all because you can, you know, hunt an animal doesn't mean you're a UFC fighter. Let's be honest because you can take a weapon and take down an animal, even one-on-one, that nine-foot giant out there, that's a whole nother level. That's a whole nother opponent. And Saul's like, you can't handle that. And David's like, that's okay, because the Lord will do it for me. And Saul realized something. I got no other choice. As the king of Israel, I'm not going out there. My army's not going out there. All right, David. David. Give it your best shot, kid. We're counting on you, buddy. You can do this. The Lord is with you. So now, verse uh, 30 and 39, 1 Samuel says, So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head, and also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor, and he tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Here's a key point, folks. When you want to do something for God, everyone's going to tell you how to do it, but they themselves are afraid to do it. Don't do it their way. Do it the way God has called you to do it. Don't put on someone else's armor. It won't work. You do what's natural to the gifting that God has given you. You try to be somebody else, or someone else's armor, it's not going to work. It's going to slow you down, hold you back, and become an obstacle. You lay it down on the side and say, thank you, but no thank you. If you don't want to fight them, I'll fight him. I'll fight them my way because the Lord is with me. So when God wants you to do the impossible, everyone will tell you how to do it, but they themselves are afraid to do it. You do it the way you know how. And why did God choose David? Because David was a servant a humble man. He was out with the sheep. When Samuel, years before, went to anoint the next king of Israel, they went to David's house because God told him it's the next king. He's in this house. And David's father brought all these sons to Samuel saying this one, this one, this one, one that must be the next king. They're they're strong men. They're powerful men. They're wise men. They're my best sons. Sam was like, no, something's missing here. There's got to be somebody else. Who are you hiding from me? He's like, well, I got this guy out back named David with the sheep, but he can't be the one. was like, bring him in. And then Samuel's seen David. He's like, ah, I hear the Lord. I hear the Lord. I hear the Lord. There's the weak. There's the feeble. There's the humble. David, come here. You're the next king of Israel. Amen. You're the next king of Israel. My friend, God can use you. If you have a servant's heart, if you're willing to humble yourself before the Almighty, everlasting God, the creator of the heavens and of the earth, and say, Lord, use me. Just don't use Pastor Joe and Barbara. Just don't use the guy on TV or the author of the book or some other person of influence or wealth that is on TV or has the attention of the nation. God, use your people. In other words, use me. Ephesians 3:20 says this. Ephesians 3:20 Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask according to the power that works in us. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's Ephesians 3:20. He can do so much more with you if you allow him to do it. If you were willing to say, tonight, God, I just don't want to be one of those people who come to church on a weekend, leave, and come back next weekend and get frustrated with the world around me, feeling as though, what can I do about it? It's beyond me. My friend, it's not beyond your God. And God uses his people to do the impossible. So whether you're contending with Baal, whether you're confronting Pharaoh, whether you're killing Goliath, know this. I, the Lord, am with you. I, the Lord, am with you. And that's all you need to do what the Lord has called you to do. Everything else will work out. Everything, Everything you need, it'll all come together. Because the Lord is with you. But you have to say, yes, Lord, here am I. Send me. And if you'll do that, you're going to see your life transform and the lives of those around you transform. Because you're stepping up. You're coming out of the seats of comfort and convenience and contentment. And you're saying, God, no longer know how am I going to sit back and watch everything crumble. And all the while, I think, who am I to make a difference? And God says, you're exactly the type of person I want to use. So today, let's bow our heads. Let's say this prayer together. Say, Father, Father, we come to you you. in the name of your Son, Jesus. Jesus. And we ask you you. to to use us, your people. To use me, your person, whom you have saved, whom you have forgiven, whom you have anointed, and who you have called. I may not be what the world thinks I should be, but I am what you want me to be. So use me, Lord, today, because I know that you are with me. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys so much.